Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, March the 12th, 2022. It is currently 11.09 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in that massive city known as Ovalo, 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 Texas, Ovalo. I, I, I feel wrong. It's not a city, ladies and gentlemen. Ovalo is not a city. Ovalo is not a town. Ovalo is not even a village. Ovalo is, is just nothing. I'm, I'm coming to you live from Ovalo, Texas, which is really nothing. It's really, it's, I don't even know why it has a name. There's literally nothing here. I'm literally in the middle of nowhere. And someone just, I think, I think someone was just like driving along. Like this is the middle of nowhere. You know what? I'll call it Ovalo. And let's just put a, a, a sign here that I don't even, is there a sign? I don't even know if there's a sign. There's not, a, I don't think there's a city limit sign. I don't think you even know you're in Ovalo. It's just a spot on the side of a highway. That That's really all it is. But that's where I'm coming to you live from. And from this obscure, hidden location in the middle of nowhere, we are turning our spotlight, even though we really don't have a, a very large spotlight. We're turning our uh, un, unincorpor- unincorporated community. Maybe that's what this should be called. Well, I'm coming to you from Ovalo, Texas, an unincorporated community. I, I don't even know if we can call it a community. I, I it. I don't know. You would just have to, if you, if you're, if, if you were driving and you just blinked, you would be like, so wait, where was Ovalo? I, where, where, but here we are in the middle of nowhere, turning our spotlight onto a Christian podcast. Yes, we've been doing this now. This is part nine. What we're doing is I'm just turning on the microphone and going, hey guys, here's a Christian podcast that maybe you've never heard of. Consider listening to it. Consider subscribing it. Not because we agree with everything, but because we think it will be interesting, give you much to think about, and give you insight into what's going on in the world of Christianity. And it gives you the ability to just, well, get, make the most out of having you know, that phone, that iPad, you can be subscribing to things that will give you some spiritual content and get you challenged to think biblically and theologically. Not not meaning that what you're hearing is biblical or theological, but that you will be challenged to have to think biblically and theologically about what you're listening to, and hopefully you'll be challenged. So that's what we've been doing. We, in our last episode, which just ended a few minutes ago, we are looking at the Christian podcast, The Gospel Perspective. The reason we are looking at the gospel perspective is because in the in the episodes before these about we're, this is the second episode about the gospel perspective. Before we were looking at the gospel perspective podcast, we were looking at the fundamental Baptist podcast, and they were criticizing and condemning the gospel perspective podcast. But they didn't really give its name. They didn't give us any information. They didn't even play audio clips from it. But. But someone who listens to this podcast contacted the Fundamental Baptist podcast and said, hey, what's that podcast you're condemning? They gave us the name. And so I'm thinking, well, since we listened to someone condemn this podcast, let's go listen to this podcast itself and see what they're really about. So in the last episode that I just did, we started listening to an episode of the Gospel Perspective podcast. It was episode eight of season one. They break them down into season on the subject of repentance. 
it's been very interesting to hear their perspective so far. I think we can, this is kind of what they've given us so far. Repentance is misunderstood today because people today take their idea from repentance from the culture. There's a cultural idea of repentance and many Christians and the ch- many churches have bought into that way of thinking when it comes to repentance. According to the Gospel Perspective podcast, repentance is nothing more than a change of mind. Now, they, they kind of keep saying it's a change of mind that could lead to a change of action, but they really want to emphasize it's just a change of mind. They made reference to scriptures without actually giving us the scriptures so that we could look them up that they thought proved their point, but really did not prove their point. In fact, they gave an example of God saying, hey, Israel, I'm not going to have you go through this area because there's basically enemies there. And when you see the danger and you see these enemies and you see these warriors, you're going to change your mind and you're going to go back to Egypt, which, which, which would include then repentance being more than just a change of mind, also a change of direction. I demonstrated that the Bible dictionary right here next to me, it has a definition of repentance that's very different di- different than the definition that the gospel perspective is giving. The Bible dictionary offers scriptural support for their definition that I don't think actually supports their definition. And the gospel perspective is offering scripture that really contradicts their definition. So the reality is, or the question is, what is, what is repentance? Can someone help us truly understand it? I offered a theory at the end of the last episode where I think that there are two concepts or two parts of repentance, and this leads to the confusion in the church. I think there is a repentance that's involved right there for salvation and justification, and that, I think, is a change of mind. Because to be saved, you're going to have to change your mind about God, about Jesus, about sin, about salvation. That is. But I think the change that repentance also involves a change of direction, a, 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 an attempt to turn from your sin and turn from disobedience. But that to me is a repentance for sanctification. And the reason I say this is if I, if I put this change concept into the definition for repentance that's required for salvation, then you're never going to know you're saved because you're like, well, I believe in Jesus. Okay, but we can't say you're saved until we see the change. Well, how much change do I have to demonstrate to prove that I'm saved? It, it will just destroy any assurance. It will destroy everything. So I, I, that's the theory I have put forth, but we, we don't have much. We, we, I don't have time to go back through everything we did in episode one because it was over an hour long. But it, we're six minutes, seven minutes now into this episode. So what we're going to do is we're going to go re- return to the Gospel Perspective podcast. I've backed up the uh, audio to seven minutes and 36 seconds so that we can kind of get a little bit of context and we're going to hear them talk about repentance and then we're just going to see where where they go and what we agree or disagree with and see, well, we'll see what they, how they handle this. So here we go. As opposed to repentance, it is a biblical word and, and I think that it is a doctrine, um, but it's not what we make it out to be because of the con uh, of the of the culture that we live in. You know, it totally has has blurred those those lines. Because okay, so here here again is that, that that's that this seems to be their thesis. The culture is what's blurred. Like the reason the church is so confused about repentance is because of the culture. That to me is just a bizarre thesis. 
I just don't know how many Christians are like, you know what? I came into Christianity and I heard the word repent. And I immediately thought of how I used to think about repentance before I was saved. How many people who are not Christians use the word repent or repentance? I mean, like, is I just don't know how the culture influenced the church on this particular subject. It just seems bizarre to me that that's the thesis that as long as we, as soon as we get away from the cultural mindset, boom, we can find out what Jesus really meant. And I, yeah, just, I don't know. That's just an, uh, I, it's an interesting thesis. I, I, li- I like hearing different perspectives. I'm just not convinced yet. All right, let's continue. Uh, yeah, and I can see that for sure. Um, there, like I said, there's five different, you talk to five different people, you're going to get five different results of what they think repentance is. Um, it's just, it's interesting to me that, you know, when people talk about repentance, it's something that you do on purpose rather than something that happens to you. When we see that the gospel perspective is everything about the gospel is something that happens to you after one moment of just agreeing with God. Exactly. You know, but I want to first go to like, because I, I, like I, like I said before, I hear repentance and I hear people's definitions and I hear what they say. And, and in my mind is like, okay, stop sinning or turn away from that sin. Okay. Or sin in general. Okay. So don't you sin? So are you saved? You know, have you repented of your sin? You know, it's like, or how much repentance do you need to go to heaven or how much repentance do you need for salvation? So now those are good questions. I do like the fact they're bringing up these questions because when you make repentance, when you speak of repentance for salvation as being a change in direction, turning from sin, it does raise all kinds of questions that calls everyone's salvation into question. It it really becomes majorly problematic because you're looking at someone going, okay, you believe in Jesus, but you haven't changed enough. Therefore, your repentance isn't genuine. Therefore, you were never saved. So now your salvation is determined by how much change is manifested in your life. Let me state it this way. Uh, let me state it in a, a, maybe maybe I'll take what they're the questions they're asking and maybe I can put it in, a, in, in theological terms that I think will help you understand this. What happens when you say repentance is required for salvation and you mean by that not simply a change of mind, What you mean by that is it must manifest itself in a change of direction, a change of action, a turning from sin, a turning from disobedience. When you add all of that saying that's required for salvation, well, almost every Protestant will immediately say, well, no, I mean, you don't have to do it now. You just got to be willing to do it. Well, that, that doesn't, that makes repentance not a change of, of, of action or attitude. That just means you just got to be repentance now is just a willingness to stop sinning, but you don't actually have to stop sinning. But here's where it gets really bizarre. So here's what Christians will do. Repentance is a willingness to stop sinning. It's a willingness to change. All right. And okay, but I, but you don't have to change now. However, if you don't show that willingness and change six months from now, you were never saved. Well, then why do you give people six months to try to manifest the the change? Why wouldn't you just make the change requirement at the beginning? Because you can't say repentance is a change and then just then all of a sudden back up and say it's just a willingness to change. But then that willingness must manifest an actual change or you didn't actually repent. It it just seems like you're playing games there. It's either it's actual change is required. And if it is, then you and if you're going to make it a requirement for salvation, then they have to change before they're saved. 
You can't play games like this. But here's what happens. When you say repentance is required for salvation and that repentance involves an actual change, and if you don't manifest that change, you're not saved, then guess what your assurance of salvation is? You no longer are assured of salvation based off an imputed righteousness. You are not looking to your imputed righteousness for assurance. You're looking to practical righteousness for assurance. So I... So then what's the point of imputed righteousness? If my salvation is dependent on practical righteousness, not the imputed righteousness, then why don't we just go back to Catholicism and say that we are infused with righteousness and justification and we must cooperate with it in order to stay saved and to be saved. Protestants play this really weird, like, no, we hate Catholicism. And then we almost give us a Catholicism light, right? Okay, we don't have the Pope. We may not have incense, we may not have a liturgy or the, the liturgy of, of, say, the Roman Catholic liturgy because you could argue everything is liturgical in some way or shape or form, but that's a whole different discussion. But we, we fall into this. You must repent to be saved. Okay, so people must change their mind. I can agree with that. No, 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 no. It's a change of mind, but it must also be a change of direction. You must turn from sin. You must turn from disobedience. You must turn from this. Okay, so do I have to turn now? Well, no, you got to be willing now, all right? But how long do I have to show you that I really was willing? Because if I, because Paul, the apostle said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. So his willingness did not necessarily manifest in a complete change because he continued to struggle doing that, which he didn't want to do. So how, how does, how does this work in salvation? And it leads to people calling everyone's salvation into question and calling their own salvation into question. So I'm glad they're raising the, this, these questions. These are great questions, but I think that we have to deal with the reality of what the word repentance seems to. The, when the Bible speaks of repentance, I think it goes with both, both concepts, a change of mind and a turning from actual sin and turning in a different direction. I just think we have to separate that there's a repentance for salvation and then there's a repentance for, in a sense, sanctification, or there's a repentance for justification, and there's a repentance for sanctification. And the repentance for sanctification involves that change of mind, but now it involves turning from, turning away, turning to. And I just don't think, if I put that for for justification, I end up with a mess. I end up with a mess. All right, let's continue to see what they have to say. All those questions pop into me when with people's definition of, of repentance, you know, but yeah, repentance is just simply a change of your mind, you know, a change of, of uh, a perspective. And that that causes that automatically causes a change of um, uh, of direction. Um, OK, see, they keep playing this weird game as well. See, it's a change of mind that automatically leads to a change of direction. OK, well, then if OK, you can say cha- uh, repentance is simply a change of mind. But you're still adding that it immediately leads to a change of action. So here's someone. Okay, uh, I present the gospel to them. I tell them they must repent and they must believe. So I have to tell them, you got to change your mind. Now, please understand this. When you repent, that change of mind will immediately lead into a a, a change of action. Immediately. All right? So... But, okay, and so they, 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 they repent, they believe. All right, now, what do I, immediately it's going to be a change of action. How much change of action 
does that change of mind lead to? A complete change of action or 50%, 40%, 30%, 60%, 70%, how much? Because people can say, well, you, you, you repented and believed in Christ, but I don't see that an immediate change of direction. I don't see immediate change of action. How much action has to be changed? The very questions he raised, he just now walked right back into the same problem because even he is affirming that repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of action immediately. Well, then I, ju- I would judge someone's repentance by the change of action, which is what they're trying to argue against. See, I think this is the problem. Unless you separate, there is a repentance for justification and there's a repentance for sanctification. Unless you separate that, you end up with this murky, well, did I repent? I don't know if I repent. Did Paul repent? Hey, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Did Paul actually repent? Hey, Paul, I'm sorry. Your repentance did not lead to an immediate change of action because you're having problems doing the right thing. Well, people say, no, 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 it's not perfection. Okay, well, then if it's not, they'll say it's direction. So then how do you, it becomes this very like subjective way in which someone's like, so I don't know if I repented or I don't know if I repented. Here's the way I I counsel someone. Did you change your mind for justification about sin, about God, about salvation. Well, obviously, because now I believe in Jesus and I know that I'm a sinner and I'm trusting in his imputed righteousness for salvation. Okay, that's the repentance that was required. Now, as a Christian, you're living out your Christian life. Are you constantly, I mean, you've already changed your mind about sin, but uh, do you continue to change your mind about what is sinful and not sinful? Yes. And do you continue to try to turn from it and turn against it? Yes. Well, then you're practicing that repentance that's involved in sanctification. And guess what? That repentance for sanctification, it's never perfect. It's imperfect. We never truly change our direction perfectly because we have a sinful nature. That's why repentance is not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. We do it every single day. Every day I have to repent of the things I've done and try to change and fight against it. But guess what? The next day, I may do the, the exact same thing. So to say that repentance is a change of mind that immediately leads to a change of action, well, why do we continue to sin? I mean, just think about it from a logical perspective. When you became a Christian, did you not change your mind about sin? Yes. Okay, well, then immediately, why didn't that lead to a change of you not sinning ever again? That change of mind did not immediately lead you to stop sinning because you continue to sin. <laughs> like, that, 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 even that definition causes problems. I believe that repentance is a change of mind and repentance involves a turning from sin and that, but that repentance for sanctification will always be imperfect and we're always going to fall short. Sometimes we have to repent of our repenting because our repenting wasn't really genuine in the first place. And this is referring to sanctification. All right, so let's let's continue. There's so much more I want to say here. Let's continue. And there's nobody that changes your mind more because he was like, oh, you don't preach enough repentance. You need to preach repentance. There's nothing that changes your mind more than Jesus. <laughs> you know, Jesus will change your worldview. Jesus will turn your mind. Jesus will will change your 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 thoughts. He will change your perspective. So, I mean, I would say we don't need 
I mean, if you put it in the in the biblical context, yes, we need to preach repentance. But now in 2021, I would say what we need is not more preaching on repentance. What we need is more preaching on Jesus because Jesus will cause repentance. Repentance is not something that, you know, we do to ourselves. Repentance is happens when truth and the light is exposed to us and we receive it and we look at it. It's like, wow, I never seen it that way before. I, I don't know, you guys, I, I mean, I've gotten that feeling, you know, when um, I really was convinced that something, you know, it, it could have been, it could be a shirt, you know, it was a certain color and I was convinced and I was telling people, hey, this is the way it is. This is, this is the color of my shirt. And they come to find out later, it's like, it's not, you know, that sinking feeling, you know, that like, you feel like, oh man, I was wrong, but, but yeah, that's, that's the truth. You know, that is repentance. That's experience repentance right there. So mm -hmm. I think I feel like everybody would profit from knowing this. Can I ask you guys what your understanding of repentance was before you came to a perspective of the gospel? Sure. OK, so I, I suppose there's two things. One, it, just a general idea of turning from sin. Just stop sinning. You are going to. Well, well and, and in truth, repentance and forgiveness, it, it almost seemed beforehand to go hand in hand, um, that you can't be forgiven until you repent or turn from your sins, which, which is, of course, a problem, because then what happens if you sin again? Does that mean that you need to be forgiven again? And that becomes a problem, because Bible says that after the sacrifice or after the death of Christ, there is no more forgiveness of sins. So I, I guess it kind of presents a problem if I if that is true. Of course, it's not. But um, and here's the other question for that. OK, now, wait a minute. After the death of Christ, there's no more forgiveness of sins. What? What are they talking about here? Now, I, so, OK, we're going to look this up. OK, now, remember, when I when I do these reviews, just just so that people know, this is all impromptu. I don't listen to them beforehand because then I feel like I'm rehearsing my my replies. And I don't I don't like that. I don't I like it to be, you know, impromptu, organic and real. This is like we're listening to this together for the first time. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out what is he referring to where I, I'm going to have to just focus on that right now. I know they just raised a lot of other questions about repentance, and I and I admire the the fact that they're trying to struggle through this because it raises all kinds of questions. It, it does raise all kinds of questions. We'll get to the questions in a minute. I, I've got to figure out what they're referring to here. I, I'm thinking they're referring to a verse in Hebrews that one of the things they that's bad here. They're not looking up the references. They're just throwing out scriptural like. The scripture says this, but they're not really telling us. Let's say, so after, after the death of Christ, no, I don't know what they're talking about. Forgiveness, no forgiveness. Um, that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Um, I don't understand what they're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, see, see, let's put no, no more forgiveness, no more forgiveness of sin, right? Okay. They got Hebrews. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing Hebrews 10. 
Hebrews 10, 26 says, for if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. That has to be what they're referring to. That has to be what they're referring to. Now, I, I, I can't say for sure. Let me just make sure I remind you of this. Whenever you read the book of Hebrews and you get some of these really serious warnings about no more forgiveness of sins or no more sacrifice for sins, and, and people go crazy when they read the book of Hebrews, let's just, if you just take a, a deep, uh, take a step back, take a deep breath. Very important hermeneutical rule here. Understand the, the historical context of the book of Hebrews. It's just, this helps completely change how you interpret the book. The book of Hebrews is written, we think, somewhere around 65, 66, 67 AD. And it's written to Jews, to those who are, are Jews, those who are the Hebrews, right? And it's a warning to them that basically the entire system of Judaism is about to be wiped off the face of the earth. 66, 67 AD, you're fast approaching 70 AD. 70 AD, one of the most significant things that happens in history, especially from anyone who's a Bible student, this is a significant thing that happens. Jerusalem is destroyed, the temple is destroyed, and Judaism, as we understand it from a biblical perspective, ceases to exist. Judaism of today is still a an empty shell of itself. It it does no it does not have a high priest, does not have a sacrificial system, does not have a temple, doesn't have an altar, doesn't have anything that's required for Judaism to be carried out in a biblical sense. So the Hebrews is like, look. The warning, the warning to the Hebrews is like, look, if you reject Christ, if you reject him, you're not going to be left with anything. You're not going to have a sacrifice. You're not going to have a priest. You're not going to have anything. But in Christ, you have a better priest. You have a better sacrifice. You have a better everything. Understand the warnings in Hebrews as a warning of those who would return to a Judaism that's about to be wiped off the face of the earth. They will be left with nothing. No sacrifice, no priest, no temple, no mercy seat, no anything. In Christ, you have all of that, but in a better form. That's what, how we understand Hebrew. That's how it has to, I don't know what they mean. After the death of Christ, there's no longer forgiveness of sins. What are they talking about? I don't even know what that means. I, I'm, I'm completely baffled by that. But back to all of the questions they're raising, they're absolutely right. That if you make for uh, repentance, this you gotta you gotta change. You gotta turn from your sin. Okay, well, okay, well then, what happens when you sin? Did you repent? Well, people because people will say if you genuinely repented, you won't do it again. Okay, well then, have you repented of sin? Yes. Do you still sin? Well, then that means you haven't repented. And if your repentance isn't genuine, then you're not saved. See that you have to separate. A repentance for for justification, which is a change of mind, where we change our mind about sin and about God and about salvation. We believe in Jesus Christ, there's salvation, and then there's a repentance that we continue to change our mind and fight and struggle against sin, but we're still going to struggle and we're still going to fall. I, I, I just, if you don't draw a distinction here, it becomes a murky mess. And I, I, it just does. And I, I'm going to get 900 emails of people arguing with me. But as soon as you are, as soon as you try to say, no, repentance requires this for salvation, I'm telling you, you're, you're going to call, if you're honest with yourself, you're going to call into question your own salvation. And then you're going to make the proof of salvation 
practical righteousness versus imputed righteousness. And I believe, because I, I reject Catholicism as someone who went to a Catholic university to work on a degree on Catholic theology, I reject Catholicism. I don't look to practical righteousness because I don't believe in it. I was saved by an infused righteousness. I was saved by an imputed righteousness. That's righteousness accredited to my account. It doesn't make me righteous. It declares me to be perfectly righteous, even though I am still a sinner. That is the complete reason of the Protestant Reformation. That's the distinction between Catholicism and, and that that came out of the Reformation. So, so sometimes when Christians talk about repentance, they do bizarre things here. So I, I love the questions that they're asking. I just don't know what they're talking about. After the death of Christ, there's no forgiveness of sins. What? What? I I don't really know what. Maybe they're going to clarify this. Let's wait and see if they clarify it. Here's the other question with that, Uriah, is like, if you sin again, if you do that same sin again, did you really, were you really repentant? Um, So, so that was, I guess that was the idea beforehand is that, well, just that we have to continually repent and hand in hand ask for forgiveness. It revolves around the gospel. Mark 1, 14. Is, in fact, I think where everybody ought to get their idea of repentance. Because Jesus, number one, it's chronologically his first sermon. He goes into Galilee preaching. What is he preaching? He's preaching, change your mind and change your belief. Believe the gospel. Stop law. Start Jesus. Right? And so he's preparing them for the new. He's preparing them for the new. And then he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, I think I've heard a lot of people say repentance is tied into your relationship with the kingdom of God, right? Like that's that's a whole different subject for a whole different day. But I mean, I kind of wanted to throw this in there as just like a caveat of repentance because it's important that you understand that the kingdom of God is not some supernatural thing that we're involved in. That that's like a big um, superstructure of something Jesus tried to uh, establish on this earth. Yes and no. The kingdom of God is Jesus. It's not meat and drink. It's not what you do and don't do. It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Romans fourteen seventeen. So when we see repentance, because the kingdom of God is at hand, he was saying repent. Believe the gospel so that you can enjoy righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And he was announcing the arrival of that kingdom. He was and the arrival of that kingdom was himself. Like you, you, you said it better. And yeah, we won't, we won't get into that. That's a completely different subject. But yeah, he was basically saying, "Repent, because I'm here." Now you could experience joy, righteousness, and peace because I'm here. You know, I mean, it's a boss move. <laughs> he just comes on the scene. He's yeah. like, all right, everybody, change your mind. No more law. It's about to be righteousness free for everybody. But see, look how he. I, I'm having a hard time following. OK, so Jesus, quote unquote, made a boss move by saying, hey, repent because I'm here. And if you repent and change your mind, you will have righteousness, but no more law. Well, if there's no more law. How are you defining righteousness? Isn't righteousness defined by you keeping the law? Like, I don't understand what this means, right? So, so, I, I, I'm, I don't really, I, I don't know what they're talking about. Like, I, I'm trying to understand. Jesus does say repent. I agree. I do believe it's a call, uh, his call for salvation, repentance involved in salvation or repentance involved in justification is a change of mind. I completely agree. 
right? But if you're going to say repent so that you can experience righteousness, are you saying repent so that you can experience an imputed righteousness? Are you saying repent so that you can experience a practical righteousness? If you're saying repent so you can experience a practical righteousness, well, then that righteousness would require, guess what? A change of action and a change of direction. So you got to define some terms here. Like I'm really... They've not yet mentioned imputed righteousness versus practical righteousness, and they haven't seemed to draw any distinction between justification and sanctification, which I, I don't think is helping. I think if they would draw these distinctions, they could actually maybe help their case a little bit more. I, I, I don't know. Let, let's continue. Presents it. He presents it with, with I mean, and I, I hate to use this word, but like it, it's a positive message. It's not a message of condemnation is not turn or burn is not repent or you go to hell when he the message of repentance is being preached is god loves you uh i'm gonna die for you you know righteousness peace you know in the holy i mean it's 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 a message of of um i hate to say positivity but it's it's a good message it's a the gospel is good news and it goes with this because when we when we refer to preaching repentance in 2021, hell is included somehow or a way or another. You know, you have to repent or you'll go to hell. You have to repent or you're going to pay for your sins. You have to repent or else. The biblical way of preaching repentance is not using or manipulating people with consequences or hell. I'll prove it to you. Romans 2, 4. Okay, now wait a minute here. Okay. If you say repentance is required for salvation, then you are saying, unless you repent, you will go to hell. Because what's the opposite of salvation? It's condemnation. In Luke 13, 3, Jesus said, I tell ye nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. (laughs) So it's not a negative thing. Yeah, it is. Jesus is saying, repent and believe the gospel. What happens if I don't repent and believe the gospel? I will be condemned. The question is, what is that repentance? That repentance is a change of mind. Change your mind about sin. Change your mind about salvation. Change your mind about God. That is the repentance required for salvation. But Jesus goes on to say, I think in the rest of the Bible, that we are to repent and turn from our sin, but that's in my sanctification. So I don't, and and now he goes to Romans 2. He's going to Romans 2. Let's see. Did he say 4? Okay, okay, Romans 2, 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Well, I do believe the goodness of God should lead us to repentance. The goodness of God should lead us to repentance. But again, which repentance is this referring to? Repentance of justification or repentance of sanctification? I think it should lead to both. When I see what God has done for me, hopefully that will lead me to repentance. But at the same time, you gotta see your sin and you gotta see your sin and justification I mean, you got, you're turning from your sin in the sense that I'm realizing I'm a sinner and I'm turning to God. This, this just is so convoluted a bit. But let, let's see where he goes here. How, how, how do you get people to repent? Or how, do you, how does repentance come about? Or how can you experience repentance? The Bible is clear. Yeah, so Romans 2, 4 says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness? And forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Wow. 
<laughs> not the wrath of God, not the judgment of God, not, you know, none of that. It says the goodness. I hate when someone reads one verse and say, none of those other things. It's just the goodness of God. Romans 2, 4. Let's ignore everything else the Bible says. Let's ignore when Jesus says, likewise, I say, repent or you will perish. But no, 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 no. The only thing that leads people to repentance is God's goodness. Now, you could argue and it's God's goodness that grants repentance because no one can repent unless God grants repentance because repentance is not something I do. It's something God grants to me because a dead sinner can never repent. A dead sinner cannot change their mind about God and Jesus unless God changes their mind for them because they're dead in their trespasses and sins. That, that can go into a whole different direction about salvation being from a, either a semi-Pelagian or uh, a semi-Pelagian or an Augustinian view of, of depravity and salvation, but we won't get into all of that. Let's see where they go here. Oh, God leadeth to repentance. That's amazing. Yeah. You start thinking about Jesus, you might just repent. You start thinking about the gospel, yeah, you might just repent. And you may even do it on accident. It says that he it leads you to repentance. Is that that was like not the whole message? Repentance wasn't the whole message there. It was the gospel. It was the goodness of God. That's pretty awesome. Wow. That that's so interesting. Like when you start looking at any scripture, and I, I've got a bunch pulled up where I'm looking at repentance, because you know, there's there's always a part of me that's that's like, nah, well, what about this verse? And and what about that verse? And I'm looking at them all. So, like for instance, I'm looking at Acts 238, and Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And instantly our mind kind of goes to see there's there's sin. But repent isn't talking about sin. It's talking about Jesus Christ. So Peter's saying, turn from whatever you were doing, whatever you were believing in, and believe in Jesus. And then it says, Jesus is the remission of sins. So the way to turn from your sins, or rather to be forgiven, remission and being forgiveness uh, of sins is, is Christ. So can we, can we talk about that? Because like, I feel like a, a repentance for a lot of people is turn from your sins. And I know we've already touched on that, but that has much heavier implications than what we're letting on, right? Like when, when you say you got to repent of all your sins, people say that and they mean it. And they say, you know, there are preachers out there that will tell you, oh, you, you want to uh, have the favor of God on your life, but well, you need to repent of all your sins. You need to clean up your life. You need to put in a bunch of human effort into this repentance thing. Like, you know, what is that? Like, how, how can we add the gospel to that? Because that's clearly not what the gospel says. It's Jesus that does the remission of my sin, you know? I mean, it's his blood is not us. So that, yeah, that's definitely false. That That's just a cultural thing that, you know, we have taken that word repentance. To. I don't know where he keeps saying it's a cultural thing. Where, where in culture do we have these conversations? Of, what culture did you live in? I, 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 I'm, it's a cultural thing. It's a So the whole church has got repentance wrong because of the culture. I don't know, like, what movies are you watching? Like, oh, I was watching this movie and that's where I got the idea. I was listening to the latest song by whomever. And, you know, and that's where I got the concept of repentance. Where, like, where is the cultural? He keeps saying it's cultural, but he's yet to point to one cultural thing. It Repentance is is a theological concept that has constantly been debated in 2000 years of church history. That I, I he keeps blaming the culture. I don't understand what 
Where did culture get this wrong? Is he referring to the culture of the church? I don't know what he's referring to here. Okay. All right. Let's, let's go. Let's continue. I mean, and it's not, it's more simple than, than you think. Now, it is the goodness of God that produces a repentance. When I look at his love, man, when I look at his forgiveness, when I look at him, what he has done for me and my new identity and, you know, what he has given me, oh my goodness, I changed my mind about God. And and that changes my mind about um, my sin. That changes my mind about my, my moral view. You know, <clears throat> I always thought this, that Christians should be the most repented people upon the face of the earth, meaning that Christians should always constantly, I'm constantly repenting on things. I'm constantly changing as I see things through the lens and of the gospel perspective, I, as I see it from a different perspective that through the lens of, of, of Jesus, I'm constantly changing my, my worldview. I'm constantly changing. Oh man. Yeah. The spirit is leading me now. I never saw it like that before. So when you focus on repentance instead of the gospel, what does that produce? I mean, I know for me, it has always produced more guilt, more shame, more like, oh man, I didn't do well over here, but now I got to work even harder to repent of that. And it's just one more thing on the pile. The issue is the focus. Um, So you're focusing on sin, you're focusing on guilt rather than the one that the, rather rather than the one that takes away that sin and rather than the one that takes away the guilt i mean i it's 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 like it, it's beating myself up for something that no longer is it, it. now this is a very interesting point and i think a very powerful point yes as a christian i need to be focused on the gospel because if i just focus on repenting well i'm repenting at, well, repentance is something we should do daily i think i think i think that's we just got to get that out of the way it's a daily so there's a repent and that's why i think that there's a distinction between the repentance for salvation and a repentance for sanctification the reason i'm drawing the distinction is because repentance is not a one time act it's a continual thing well if it's a continual thing the thing i did in order for justification Obviously, it's going to be different after I'm repenting. I'm repenting now. Think of it this way. The initial repentance of justification is the repentance of, of someone who's lost. I'm, rep- I'm changing my mind and I'm coming to Christ. Repentance after, as now I'm, I'm repenting as a believer. So now it's a different approach. So I think right there just, I think hopefully gives greater weight to my argument of why I think there has to be a distinction here because I think all of the confusion within the church is because we merge these concepts. But I think it's very important that as a Christian, our repentance should be gospel-based. I I think that that's very, like sometimes uh, I do agree that sometimes in the church, instead of a gospel-based repentance, that it's because of God's goodness and his love and his mercy that should lead us to repentance. Sometimes it is very much like, well, if you don't repent and you don't do this, you don't, then you're, you were never saved. You were never saved and you better do this. And you, and, and sometimes it's a more threatening, like you, you, you're not proving that you were saved, which only leads to discouragement, uh, doubt, uh, and disillusionment, and you may just start questioning the validity of Christianity because you're going to be like, well, I keep sinning, and I keep sinning, and I keep sinning, and if I repent, why do I keep sinning? I mean, that's the question. If repentance is just immediately a turn from something, um, well, then why do we keep doing it? And then someone will say, well, your repentance is not genuine, and then I would just simply say, do you repent of sin? Yes. What, do you still sin? Yes. Well, then you didn't repent of sin. That becomes problematic. Repentance is a change of mind. First and foremost, 
but it is also a call to turn from actual sin and to actual change your direction. The problem is the repentance for sanctification is always imperfect because we are still sinners. So I do like this idea of trying to be more grace-based. It is everything Christ has done for me, his imputed righteousness, forgiving me, adopting me, all of the things that he has done for me should be the motivating factor for why I'm trying to turn against sin. I, I do like that concept. If, if it's really, it's, it's, it's the belief that Christ did not really forgive me of my sins, that, that he's not good enough to forgive me of my future sins. And, and, and I want to clarify when like repentance can talk about sin, but the idea of repentance is, is a turning of turning of your mind and actions away from something. So like in the Bible, Christ did talk about, you know, if, if, if someone, you know, trespasses, has a trespass against you and he repents, forgive him. And then, you know, and he says, well, what if he sends seven times seven or seven times a day? And, and then Christ says, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm telling you, if, if, if he's, if he's repentant, forgive him. Um, so if he's turning from that thing, if he's, if he's no longer doing it, if he says, you know what, I recognize what I'm doing and I'm not going to do that anymore, forgive him. So repentance can talk about sin. And and repenting from so now they just kind of slid right back into he's got to stop doing those things. He's gonna change his mind and stop. So they 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 keep going, it's really weird. They seem to be really trying to argue repentance is just a change of mind, but they keep at times using this language of it also involving a change of action and direction. I don't know exactly what they it I'm having a hard time drawing they're, they're not drawing clear lines of distinction and i think this is what happens when you try to merge you're not separate let me think of it this way this confusion happens when you don't have a repentance for justification and you don't have a repentance for sanctification i think there are two concepts of repentance two parts of repentance for me to be saved i have to change my mind about salvation and god that's what's required for my salvation is a change of mind about sin and about God. And I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm trusting in him and his perfect righteousness. That's a repentance because it's a change of mind. Now that I'm saved and because I've changed my mind about sin, now this repentance and sanctification involves a trying to turn from, trying to repudiate, change, feel bad, stop doing, but it will never be done perfectly. So you can't say, well, you can only forgive someone if they stop doing the wrong thing. Well, I mean, I mean how does that, that now you're you're that now now that just leads to all kinds of different issues here. Shouldn't we forgive whether the person repents or doesn't repent? Now, if you're talking the Matthew 18 passage, you're referring to church discipline. So like one of the things he says, he's got all of the scriptures pulled up. Why don't we actually read the scriptures you're referring to? He just keeps, he just keeps, they just keep throwing out like they're, they're, they're making a, like a reference to a scripture, but they're not actually dealing with the scripture. How can we deal with such a biblical subject and theological subject if we're not going to actually engage with the text that you keep? You just make these random references to, and we don't have any time to actually dig into them. It's, it's, it, this is maddening from that perspective. From sin, turning from sin is important. Nowhere in the Bible does does the Bible say that we are supposed to just continue in sin. 
Um, God says, you know, what then, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein? Nowhere in the Bible does, does, does it say that we're supposed to just keep sinning. No, we're supposed to always turn away from sin. How many times? Every time. Every time that you sin, you're supposed to turn away. Um, repentance is important. Turning from sin is important. But it's, it's just not tied to forgiveness because forgiveness is all about Christ. Um, Christ is the one that has taken away the sins of the world. That's what John, John the Baptist was, was preaching and saying, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. The sins are gone. John's focus wasn't their sin. He, he wasn't going around screaming, you and your sins. He was going around proclaiming, this is Jesus. I'm not even worthy to unlatch his sandals. Th this is Jesus, the Lamb of God, the, the Lamb that's able to take away not just the sins for a nation or, or for a year. This is the one that takes away the sins of the world for, for all of time for all mankind, for, for even me, for even you. John, John was proclaiming Jesus. His, his, his focus wasn't sin. His focus was Jesus. The answer to every problem is Jesus. The solution is Jesus. What, what about this thing that I struggle with, whether it's pride, whether it's anger, whether it's the way that I treat my family, whether it's lust or pornography, whether it's lying, whether it's stealing, what is, how do I get over that? It's, it's not a program. It's not, you know, anything that, that we can read or do. The answer is always Jesus. You put it perfectly. I like, and, and I hadn't heard it like that before. And I think you're spot on, Uriah, about, yes, we're, we're constantly turning from sin because we know we're not supposed to do that. But as far as for forgiveness of our sins, meaning as far as salvation, that's not the type of repentance. That's not, doesn't go along with the scripture. The Bible talks about when repentance, especially for salvation, is talking repenting from the way you take care of your sin or or repenting to the gospel, to Jesus, you know, and that's that. that I mean, well said. OK, so now now they're trying to draw the distinction. OK, now they're trying to draw. There is a repentance for salvation. Yes, I agree. And that is a change of mind. I, th I just think that any, any attempt to try to make the repentance for salvation more than a change of mind leads to all of the problems I've, I've outlined and, and repeated now multiple times. Let me just say it again. It's like, you know, either you're like, okay, you repent and that means a change in action. Okay, so do I have to change my action now? You just got to be willing to do it. Well, okay, well, then what happens if I'm, how much willingness do I must, how much willingness must I demonstrate and how much change must manifest to know that I was truly saved? Once I add the turning away from sin and changing and all of that to salvation, salvation becomes a muddied mess. And it, I'm not even looking to the imputed righteousness anymore. I'm looking to how much change I've manifest, been manifest in my life to know if I'm truly saved or not, which is just so, just so problematic. So I agree. The salvation, the repentance for salvation is a change of mind. Absolutely true. And yes, after I am saved, repentance is not a one-time thing. It's a continual act. And I continue to repent and continue to fight and struggle and turn from sin, even though it will never be perfect. It will always be incomplete. And I will constantly struggle with the th doing the things I don't want to do and not doing the things I want to do. That is the reality of the Christian life. 
repentance is not tied to forgiveness. Forgiveness is, is tied to blood. Forgiveness is about blood. The only way to be forgiven is not repentance. It's, it's blood. Yeah. And we covered that. See, now that's a problem. The only way to be forgiven is not tied to repentance. Wait a minute. Repentance is tied to salvation. So therefore repentance is tied to forgiveness, but it's the repentance of a change of mind is tied to forgiveness and salvation. And a repentance of turning from my actions and trying to struggle against it is connected to my sanctification. That's the only way to make any sense of this. They're, they're, they keep going all over the place. Like no repentance. No, it's this. It's that Wait, it, There is a turning of sin. Wait, it doesn't, it's not tied. Okay. Could you, you've got to draw some distinctions here so that we have some way of trying to process what you're, you're saying. It sounds like that what they're trying to say is that there's a repentance for salvation and then there's a repentance after salvation and that they're separate. The repentance for salvation, that's a one-time repentance so that I'm saved, but, but my repentance does not stop there. I repent every day because I sin every single day. I struggle with sin every day. So repentance is in a sense a one-time act I am saved. It's the, it's like the whole the the concept that sometimes said in theological circles, salvation. Yes, I was saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. There's there's different tenses of salvation. There's the past, there's the present and the future. There is a past one-time repentance for justification, but there's an ongoing repentance of the present, and there will be a continuing repentance all the way to my glorification. In a recent episode, when we we're talking about the blood, it's it's just important that I think we realize that, like, you know, some people would say, okay, so I understand what repentance is. I understand that sin, you know, I'm not supposed to do that. And, but like, all right, so what do I do now? Right? Like, okay, the gospel, I get, I get it, the gospel, right? But what do I do? But I think it is important to note that I do think there has to be repentance um, not necessarily for the forgiveness of our sin, but for salvation, because you have to change your mind and believe that. You have to believe that it's the forgiveness because of Jesus. You know, you have to have that change of mind. And that's what I see in the Bible, having that change of mind to Jesus. That's what I mean when I say change to Jesus, because see, and, and then that's, that's different. That's different because that, that categorizes repentance in a different bracket. Because before, when you say repentance is more of an action, it's more of a, what do I have to do? you know, but repentance is more of how I respond to the truth. You know, that change of mind when you're exposed, Jesus is God, man, I never knew that. That's repentance, you know? Um, yeah. It's something that you're more or less possessing rather than trying to um, re- continually do, right? Like you, you possess repentance. Like that is, that is what you have is basically what you are. It's, it's something that has changed. It's something that your mind has been renewed. You know, you you have a new heart. You have, you know, and like all of that happened to you. And now it is happening to you without your effort, right? Like without your human involvement. And okay, here's, here's the thing that I think kind of exemplifies that right there. The Old Testament, it would say, you know, all have gone astray. There is no one that seeks after God. And that, that was written by the Jews. You know, the Jews wrote, there is none that seeketh after God. They've all gone astray. They're all unprofitable. Everybody, like everybody's included in that. Okay, but now we have people who are seeking after God. What is that? That's a change of mind. You know, somehow your mind changed to where all of a sudden your heart now has a desire 
for Jesus. And what put that in there? It wasn't you. You you couldn't change. My, I, th- man, they're the, I don't understand some of this. This Some of this is maddening. Okay, first of all, that it is in the Old Testament that he's referencing, but let's make sure we don't forget. I, 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 I'm so confused. All right, so Paul in Romans 3 says, what then are we better than they know and know wise for we have, we, have, we have before proved both Jew and Gentile that they are all under sin. That's referring to Jew and Gentile. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. There is none righteous. They're under, no one seeks after God. I, I don't understand what he's referring to. So no one, so you're saying back in the time of the Jews, are you saying in the Old Testament, no one seeks after God, but in the New Testament, people do? Well, I, there is no one who seeks after God in their depravity. They are dead in their trespasses and sins. They are gone out of their way. They're unprofitable. They do not seek God. God has to be the one who grants them faith and repentance. He changes their mind. That is called salvation, regeneration, and that is done by the sovereign work of God. God does the, he grants the change of mind. He grants the regeneration. He has to grant the repentance, which is the change of mind. So I, I, they're, I don't know if they, if they're, man, I don't, some, some things I don't really know, like, it's just weird hearing some of the things they say. It's like, I don't know exactly what they're trying to say. Like, do you have any theological categories for what you're trying to say? It just becomes really messy. All right, let, let's continue. Change your heart enough to want God. It was God coming inside of you. It was God inserting the spirit and joining himself to you saying i am i am in you and i am with you and i am through you and and you want me now and i am here that's not what they had under the old and and i kind of like that's where repentance goes like hand in hand with your new identity it's like that's who you are now you are someone who wants to repent from sin you're not happy in it and you're talking about renewing your mind romans 6 you know paul is like Hey, you guys didn't know that you're dead to sin? You guys didn't know that you you have a new identity? Didn't you know that Jesus has changed you completely and that, you know, all of these things you keep trying to do, Jesus is doing them through you. You're dead to sin. You're alive to God. Those are the things that we are to constantly be repented of because the world, our flesh, and the devil tells us otherwise. They tell they make us forget that we are forgiven. They make us forget our identity. I think that's why church is important because, you know, well, a church where you go and get reminded of the gospel and reminded of who you are and reminded of Jesus and how he has forgiven you and how he loves you. I think that is important because, you know, I think that's the purpose of church. I think that's the purpose of of getting together. That's the purpose of communion, the Lord's Supper. Do this in remembrance of me because we forget we forget and we have the world constantly telling us and pulling us and telling us otherwise, you know, um, that we're not forgiven, that make sure your sin will find you out. You know, that, that's, that's what, that, that's not the voice of Jesus, you know, it's, and you were reminding me because you were saying how it's something given to us. I, th- I think it's something given to us, something we possess, something we experience. The word repentance, if you look at it in the original um, language, it's synonymous with blessing. You know, it's synonymous with blessing. It's a blessing. 
Repentance is synonymous with blessing. All right, I got to look this up. Man, this, 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 this is serving as a good example of why I, I, I mean, okay, so we're gonna, I'm going to go to Matthew 4 because it's the first time I think we see it in the New Testament. All right, he said, if you look up the original language, okay, we're looking up uh, repent. Okay, here we go. Here's repent. It is this Greek word. Strong's G, 3340, metanaeo, metanaeo. Metanaeo, metanaeo. I don't see anything that's saying that's synonymous with, with blessing. I don't see anything that says that. I, I, don't, I don't see anything. I'm looking at Thayer's Greek lexicon. I'm not seeing, uh, okay, wait, it's from this Greek word, meta, with, after, behind, Okay, that doesn't seem to have anything dealing with um, with blessing. Okay, hang on, let me go back to Matthew four seventeen into linear. All right, I'm. Where do they come up with this idea? All right, it comes from three uh, noyeo. Understanding, to think. I, I I don't see anything that connects it with blessing. I, I don't I, I don't. <laughs> he just said it's a synonym. Repentance is a synonym for blessing? Like, where did you... I don't understand. I don't understand. You know, you know I, I... Okay, I, I got to take a deep breath here. Christianity is broken and becomes irrelevant if we cannot even correctly explain what the original language says about a word. If we are so incapable of not even getting it right, like repent, like to say repentance in the original language is synonymous with blessing. That is a dogmatic assertion. Now, if that is true, I will be more than happy to acknowledge its truth when I find something. But right here in this impromptu reaction, I cannot see it. So if, he, if he's making the dogmatic assertion, it's on him to prove that. But if we can't even get the meaning of a word right, if we can't even get the meaning of words, then why should anybody listen to us? If we can't get the meaning of words right, what is even the point of listening to anything we have to say? This is why I plead with Christians Have the Blue Letter Bible app. That's why in my sermons, I open up the Blue Letter Bible app and play it. It seems ridiculous. It seems foolish. People may say it's so childish and dumb. You should just give the Greek word. I do that because I want everyone to say, look it up. Here's where I'm getting it from. Here's where I'm looking at it. And I have everyone else in the church. Look at, I'm like, look it up. Okay, what is? what did you find? What did you find? What did you find? Let's look it up in a Bible dictionary. I take everyone through the process. And sometimes some people will say, well, wait a minute. It could mean this. Sometimes you'll hear the disagreement. And that's good because we are struggling to figure out what the word means. That's what you have to do. I mean, if you're doing the podcast episode about repentance, Right? It's you that has to get the word right. You have to get the word right. I'm going to see if anybody responds to that. Let's let's see. We only got like five minutes left. Repentance is not something you do necessarily. Repentance is something you receive, something that you experience. It's a blessing from God. 
what about somebody would hear what we're saying and then they would be like mm, that sounds a lot like god's making the decision for you now repentance is a blessing but to say the word in the original language is it's a synonym for blessing that's a whole different thing saying repentance is a blessing from god i agree that it's a blessing that god would grant me repentance and I believe God is the one who grants repentance. Now, now this goes right along with my reformed theology. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. I believe you are incapable of repentance until God grants you the repentance. God has to grant you the repentance. I believe he grants me the change of mind for salvation. And then God has to continue to work in me to cause me to want to repent from my sin and turn from my sin and struggle against my sin. That's all a work of God. Now, they're getting ready to go, well, wait a minute. Some people may say this sounds like this is all God. All right, well, let's see what they're getting ready to say here. But Because they've seemed to make it very clear that it's all God. It's something you don't do. It's something God does for you and through you. Now they're getting ready. Let's see if they're getting ready to stay consistent with this idea. You know what I'm saying? So, so like, you know, I've even, there was some threads, you know, that me and I think all three of us were involved in. Um, where the, some people were like, this sounds like Calvinism, you know, sounds like, um, irresistible grace, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, that's, that's not the message here. The message here is you made the choice. All I would say, all. (laughs) Okay. So repentance is something God did, but you made the choice. So then repentance is not something God did for you. It's something you did. What in the world? They, they made, they almost made an argument for an Augustinian view of depravity, which would require a sovereign work of God to grant one a repentance. Now they're back. They just walked right back into Pelagianism saying, no, 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 you did it. You made the choice to repent. Well, then God didn't do it. I did it. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> okay. No, no, you repented. No, God granted me the repentance. If God granted me the repentance, then God did it. Who did it? Hey, you've been arguing for almost 30 minutes that God is the one to do it. Now you're just all of a sudden like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, we're sounding like Calvinists. Okay, so let's throw in at the end. You chose. Well, if you chose to repent, then you had the ability to repent, meaning you're not dead in your trespasses and sin. So that uh, I, I, man, this, this is cray cray. Okay, here we go. I would say about that is that our part is to respond. You know, we, st- we, we still have to respond. We have to believe it. We have to accept it, you know? So our part is to respond. That response would be a change of mind. So is my response repentance? And if my response is repentance, is it me repenting or did God give me the repentance? You've already said God is the one doing the repenting, uh, I, I, I don't understand what in the world you guys are talking. I'm, I'm, I'm really having a hard time here. Now I see why the Fundamental Baptist podcast was so critical of this because this thing is all over the place. It's all over. The, and one of the reasons I wanted to play the audio is so that, hey, it's not just people condemning them. It, they get to speak for themselves and they are literally all over the place. Someone else listening just said they're all over the place to me. Yes, I don't. I can't follow it. Repentance is this. It's God does gives you the repentance. No, you have to make the choice. Wait a minute. Repentance is a change of mind. Well, wait a minute. Repentance also involves a, a change of direction and action. Re- repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of action. However, 
for salvation, it's just a change of mind, but you have to have the change of action. What? What? what, what? Uh, could you? Could you slow down and let let let's like literally try to figure this out? Because I, I've, I've listened to your discussion about repentance, and I think now I may be more confused about repentance than when I started. Yes, he's calling us. Yes, he's drawing us. Yes, he's pursuing us. Yes, he's after us. Yes, he's pouring his love upon us, his blessing, because it's the goodness of God that causes repentance. So he's being good to us. But at the end of the day, we have to respond and we have to decide. That's 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 how I I view it. All right, so we we do the repenting. So then why did you say God is the one who gives us repentance? Why did you say it's not something we do? It's something that we have. You just, you literally made the argument at the beginning that it's not something we do, but now you're making the argument that it's something we do. Which is it? Are you Augustinian or semi-Pelagian or full-blown Pelagian? I don't even know what your theological distinctions are here. This is a, I, whoa, man. See, theology matters. You see, people sometimes get frustrated when you try to put things into theological categories. People don't like that. Pelagian, semi-Pelagian, Arminian, Calvinism, you know, Augustinianism. People get very frustrated sometimes when you do that. But this is the reason you have to put things in theological categories so that you can make sense. This is all over the place. Hey, repentance is not something you do. You make the choice. Oh, wait, so, so I do the repenting. I do the repenting. Okay, well, then why did you say it's something we don't do? It's clearly something we do. We change our mind. We do the repenting. It's not, repentance is not something God grants to us. Well, that, that's a major, then you have to be semi-Pelagian because you can't be dead in your trespasses and sins and decide to repent. Now we could talk about how much we're involved in repentance after salvation. And now you get into a monergistic justification versus a synergistic sanctification. Again, you've got to use theological categories to, to distinguish these things. So I see that in, in what you're saying here. And like one of the distinctions that we can draw between the old and the new, right? Because that's basically how the gospel changed everything was between the old covenant and the new covenant, Right. Under the old, the people pursued God. Under the new, God pursues you. Jesus is coming after you. And that's not Calvinism. That's not irresistible grace. That's, you know, um, he's coming after you. That's you choosing him. God did not pursue the people in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was people pursuing God. It looks like he pursued Israel constantly. Looks like Israel constantly wanted to run from God and God constantly pursued them, sent prophets to them. Oh, like I, 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 I am having a hard time. I, I have a hard time with this. Let me just give you a, some quick scriptures really quick here. Uh, Acts chapter five, verse 31. He, he is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and as savior to grant 
repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. It is God who grants repentance. Acts eleven eighteen. When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God saying, well, then God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. That's Acts eleven eighteen. God is the one who grants repentance. Second Timothy two twenty five. with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. Romans 2, 4, or do you think lightly the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? In other words, repentance is something God, God is the one who grants. God is the one who initiates. God is the one who grants it and does it for us. Even our faith is a gift of God. That is not of ourselves. Your faith does not derive from you. Your repentance does not derive from you. God is the one who has to change your mind and God has the one who has to give you faith. Without God's action, you're dead in your trespasses and sins and you cannot repent and you cannot believe apart from God granting you repentance and faith, right? I don't know why that they, they, they almost tried to argue that way and then have now completely contradicting that and going against it. So I think it's more more relating to um, like um, what do we do now, you know? Like if if because we, all this season we've been talking about okay, we're not supposed to ask for forgiveness because we're forgiven once and for all. We're not supposed to follow the law because that's old covenant. Now you're telling me you're not supposed to repent. You're taking everything I can do and everything I have ever done to feel close to God. And you you told me in the episode that I don't have to. Now wait a minute. You're telling now, are you saying, are they just made the claim that now we don't have to repent anymore? We don't repent anymore. Now, they, they also just made the claim, I guess, in a previous episode that we don't have to ask for forgiveness anymore. We don't ask for forgiveness anymore, ever. Wouldn't we constantly be asking for, we, we constantly repent. We constantly ask for forgiveness because we're constantly sinning. I am forgiven in my position. My salvation is secure, but in my fellowship and my walk with God, I do need forgiveness and repentance and my fellowship and, and, and with Christ. My salvation is secure. It's the concept of John 13 when Jesus is like, I have to wash your feet and hands or you have no part of me. In other words, you've already been clean completely in your position, but I have to wash you daily because, or you'll have no part. We are washed daily through his word, through repentance and through confession. Like, all right, this, this is just getting, this is going so far off the train tracks that we're never going to, this train is going to be lost forever. This, this train cannot get back on the train tracks. This train is gone. This train is over a cliff. I don't even know where anything is anymore. Please God, you know, I don't have to, there's nothing I can do to please God. That's the only way that I am pleased in God is by receiving and believing in Jesus. I'm like, then what is there left for me to do? You know, what do I do now? I can't repent. I can't ask for forgiveness. I can't please God. I can't follow the law. What do I follow? What do I do? Identity is everything. Now that's what we live from. We live from who we are. We have a new mind. We have a new heart. And we have the spirit of God living inside of us. What more do we need? Do we need more law? Do we need more regulations? Do we need more standards? Do we what what else do we need? All we all we that we need is living right inside of us. So what do we do? We get to follow Jesus and living inside of us. We we get to, you know, let allow him to lead us, you know? And that looks different for for everybody. 
that looks different for me than it does, you know, Tyler, than it does my neighbor. I mean, I can't tell you, Tyler, I can't tell anybody what God's will for their life is or what I think God is telling me for them to do. He knows God just as much as I know God. He has as much access to God as I have access to God and God could tell him himself. When somebody comes to me, it's like, God told me you should do this. I'm like, well, he hasn't told me and I. Okay, so now now they go in with extra biblical revelation, believing God speaks to people outside of scripture. I can tell you what God's will is. It's right here in the word of God. What God says in his word is his will for you and his will for me. It's the same will. When you start getting, well, God, I think God is telling me this and telling me that. Now you're getting into this weird trying to figure out what God is supposedly telling you, which is some kind of inside voice. And you, okay, that's just insanity. I believe in sola scriptura. So no, I, I reject this concept that they're talking about. But he just to make sure you realize, he said twice that we no longer repent. So we no longer repent. Well, what is, what are you talking about? We no longer, so repentance is no longer a part of the, I would challenge someone to grab the 95 thesis by Luther, where he's going to say repentance is not a one-time act. It's something we do daily. We daily have to repent. We daily have to deny self. We daily have to take up our cross. We daily have to ask for forgiveness. What is this? Not, not, not to save me. Because my position is, I'm saved because of the imputed righteousness of Christ, but for growth and fellowship with God. I, I, I am so baffled here. All right, here we go. I have the same spirit living inside of me that you do, supposedly. So, you know, I'm going to wait on that. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so mm-hmm. we can be ourselves. We can be ourselves. We can be ourselves. Um, because we have a new heart and we have a new mind and uh, allow God to lead us. We have, um, uh, we, I mean, we have so many, every spiritual blessing we have. Um, so all, it's really all that's left to do <laughs> is worship. It's thank him for what he's done. Thank him for that forgiveness. Thank him for deliverance under the, from, from the law. Thank him for um, the repentance he has given us. You know, all there is to do as Christians, what are we supposed to do as Christians? Well, one of the main things we're supposed to do is worship Jesus for what he has done for us, for who he is. You know, that's that's one of the main things. And uh, that's all that there's left to do. Gratitude and respond, respond. Let's respond to his love, you know, in our everyday, everyday life. Um, that's what Christianity is to me. It's, it's just responding to his love. So in every situation of my life, I look at his love and how he loves me and what he has done for me and how he has forgiven my sins. Okay, so now, according to that, I'm going to take this step and I'm going to respond. I'm going to talk to my wife. I'm going to try to treat my wife in a way that is according to the response of God's love for me and God's forgiveness for me and the identity that he has given to me. I'm going to treat now, He, he kind of... They... <laughs> He he just been saying we don't do anything anymore, and now he's like, no, I'm going to try to do it. Love my wife. I'm going to try to do this. Okay, so when you don't love your wife the right way, do you repent? Do you ask for forgiveness? If you do, that contradicts what you just said that we no longer ask for forgiveness, and we no longer repent. So if you if you if you don't treat your wife right, do you repent of that? Do you ask God for forgiveness of that? 
not for salvation, but for fellowship and spiritual growth. Like I am so, this is the biggest train wreck of theological proportions, man. This, all right, we have 50 seconds. All right, here we go. My children, you know, like they, I have a two and a four year old and they drive me nuts sometimes and I lose it sometimes and I got to stop and say, okay, hold on, hold on. I'm going to respond or I'm going to act right now in response to God loves me in response to I am forgiven in a response of my new identity. Okay, I'm ready. So you're changing your mind about your actions. What in that repentance? You spend all of this time defining repentance. Then you tell me I no longer have to repent. And then you describe the situation where you are repenting and changing your mind about your actions. And then they're going to change your actions and the way you're acting towards your children. That is repenting after you just told me we no longer have to repent. Man, I, I think that this may have some serious antinomian uh, situation here. Antinomianism is basically no law against the law. I don't know what this is. This, all right, we'll, we'll just let this finish out. I guess it's just their music. So nothing more to listen to. That's the gospel perspective. <laughs> we, we turn, we're turning our spotlight on this podcast because the Fundamental Baptist podcast so condemned it. Now I can, ex- I understand why they were so frustrated. I understand, now I understand why they were so frustrated. But see, the problem is the, the listener who listened to the Fundamental Baptist podcast episode that basically condemned this podcast the reason we didn't really catch on is because we didn't actually hear what they were saying when if you would have played the audio we would have been like no wonder this is a train wreck this is a mess they didn't do that they should have done that they did a disservice the fundamental baptist podcast did a disservice because they we don't know if they fairly represented the guys because we didn't actually listen but now i can hear why they were like man it was it was a mess yeah this is a mess but we've spent two and a half hours being fair and letting the the Gospel Perspective podcast be heard. And I challenge you to go subscribe to it. Listen to it. Listen to it. Uh, because I, I, it's just, it would be interesting to know those guys, like what's, what's their theological background? What's their theological training? Where did they go to Bible college? Where did they go to seminary? Because that's, that's just some craziness there. But there you have it. It's not what I wanted to spend the day doing. But it's one of those things. And the last time we were doing the Christian uh, Christian spot, we turned the Christian spotlight, the Christian podcast spotlight. We turned the spotlight on a Christian podcast. We we, we mentioned this one, or we 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 talked about trying to figure out what this one was. So I felt like I had to return to it. So this is just trying to finish something that had been left undone. Well, we're done, and. Uh, I, I don't know what else to say. You can email me your thoughts on all of this. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I'm going to go home and get some food, and I got to do a lot of work to get ready for tomorrow because I am way, 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 way behind in uh, sermon prep. So I'm going to do that. I may take the microphone with me um, because now I have the ability I can possibly go live from the house now So uh, because situations have changed there. So um, I may take it with me. So maybe there'll be another live broadcast tonight. I can't make any promises But uh, thanks for listening Uh, to the person who has been listening to me today. Thank you very much. I know it was a a lot of your time, and I do appreciate you taking so much of your time to listen because, uh, wow, 
This, this was much longer on this subject than I wanted to be, but I wanted to be fair. If you're, if you're going to criticize another podcast, be fair. Let everyone hear everything, and then they can draw their own conclusion. Everyone now knows which pro- the gospel perspective. Go look it up. Find it. If you can't find it, email me. I want you to listen to what they have to say. I want you to know their perspective. I strongly disagree with everything. I, I strongly disagree because it, I don't even know really what their perspective was because they contradicted themselves. By the end of it, they contradicted everything they had just said. So I don't even really know what they believe. They, repentance is something we don't do. Repentance is something we do. We no longer repent, but hey, when my kids really bother me, I change my mind about how I've been treating them and then I change the way I treat them. Well, that's repentance. No, okay. Like it, it was just... 30 minutes of contradiction is really what that amounted to. But all right, we'll stop right there. Everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening. God bless.